Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is February 11th, 2020. It's a Tuesday. Wow. Is is time slow or what? And I think um, I'm going to start not on air, though. Um, I guess I will create special maybe just podcasts that I can do weekly because so many of you have been reaching out asking me to talk about topics that are semi-declassified and I I think maybe we should. Um, Maybe we should because it's all about learning, right? And understanding, understanding how DARPA works, understanding how things uh, amplified in the late 1800s and how, you know, 130 years later, we're here. We're here in a mishmash of information where we're under attack constantly on what is real, what is not. <laughs> Fake news, propaganda constantly shoved down our throats like nobody's business. And that that is something that all of us are vulnerable to. Reading helps. Understanding history helps. But deciphering through all the rubbish and all the noise is difficult. Very difficult. And I know many of you, when I'm uh, frustrated, when I'm upset, when I feel like you know, it's just the world is so evil because I'm only human, per se. I feel the same frustrations you do. And I have to remind myself that all I have to do is pray. Yesterday, uh, we had the uh, rally in New Hampshire that was great. We had a lot of things coming up the pipeline in regards to the governors, uh, in regards to, um, you know, going after the cities and states that are harboring uh, illegal migrants. Now, everyone thinks it's just to take off the weight off of our social system, off of the social services we have, uh, and to avoid uh, criminals coming into our country. But it's more than that. It's about election fraud. And even with the Governor's Association, the message that Pompeo gave was a prelude, like I said yesterday, to what Barr said. Many, many things that he said. And it's all about election fraud. This is why they failed in Iowa. This is why they failed in New Hampshire. Because it was never about allowing them just to come in and collapse our infrastructure so we have no choice but to rely on the government because everything would come to a standstill. It was about stealing your vote. And so their last hallelujah is flooding us with migrants and standing in with this fake righteousness. I was going through some appropriations that we did and I'm, I, and guys, I'm revamping the website. 
Um, I'm trying to figure out how to uh, get writers. You know, they all want to get paid. So um, I'm thinking of opening up a subscribe star so that way I can have writers. Like I'm in the process of that. I have so many articles sitting there, but obviously I have to work too <laughs> because, um, you know, that's time. And believe it or not, time is money. And for me, I'm always on the phone, on a computer or on, you know, a video screen um, working like aside from my research, aside from my radio show, you know, I do other things too. So um, I I have a few of them in there. One of them is showing how um, Ilhan Omar's district is getting an upwards of 20 million almost every year separate just for the refugees. That's separate to what they get from DHS uh, for these refugees. That's separate to what they get for everything else. And my mind is completely blown. And for some reason, uh, social services of Minnesota is getting an immense amount of money for public broadcasting. And it's kind of curious. I don't know. Uh, it's just really weird. And then there's so many um, entities that are registered in Minnesota. It makes me wonder, you know, why the Twin Cities? Why did they choose the Twin Cities to fund all these weird UN-sponsored activities with our federal taxpayer dollars? Uh, this morning I had... Um, my uh, bathtub kind of like re-enameled because th- when they installed it, I think they did something and then the metal was exposed and there were like little rust things. And so I was playing uh, the clip uh, that I'm going to be playing for you of President Trump talking about New Hampshire. And I said to the guy, you know, there's so many homeless people, you know, just outside on the street and it's freaking cold. And I, just thinking like, why are they on the street? Why are they hiding in the building, you know, to sleep? Are there no shelters around here? And he said, you know, most of them are veterans too. And, uh, you know, if I have like extra oranges or something that I know we're not going to eat because we bought too much of for me and my, my child, you know, I'll, I'll walk it down. And I was thinking to myself, boy, we spend a lot of money on people that aren't even citizens. Veterans are not, you know, these are American citizens. And, you know, you'd be like, well, it's not my job. Well, it isn't. But it is our job to look after our own when we can take care of ourselves. And this open border policy drives me insane thinking, why are you bringing all these people when we have our own people hurting? Like, so you're laying out the red carpet for all these people, but what are you doing for your own? That's the thing. I know we have a lot of lazy people that are like, well, you know, I don't need a job. I get so much in food stamps, so much in this. They pay my rent. They do this. And, you know, it makes you wonder, like, is this even fair? Is it even fair? Uh, You know, speaking to parents, they're concerned about how they're going to pay for college. And, you know, they have to get a scholarship because it's going to be tough. Even though they own their home, they work, they make money, that's still a big cost, especially if you have more than one child, right? You know, I always say they can always serve their country because our country wants them educated. So they'll pay for their education. But, you know, for some reason, it's still, you know, frowned upon to have your child serve their own country, which is pretty odd. Mm. But looking into it, I found a lot of things 
that make absolutely no sense in regards to money. And I'm digging into seeing how much money do we spend on PBS to sit there and spread propaganda. I mean, I can choose not to watch CNN. I can choose not to watch the others because they're all incorporated in my, you know, um, monthly rate, right? I can choose. I could just, you know, have hide the channel from my guide. But I can't, that way, you know, I don't give them viewing and so their viewing numbers go down, advertisers go down. But with PBS, they're getting paid anyway. They're getting paid by us, whether we listen to them, whether we watch them. You know, I, I'm just thinking, like, how is this even allowed? Shouldn't I have a say uh, to have impartial news? If you want to pump up the Democratic Party, then you've got to have a counter to pump up the Republican Party because people still out there think that there's a, it's a two-party system when in actual fact, it's just the same party pretending to hold it up. One tugs, the other one tugs, the other one tugs until President Trump came and said, nope. And he annihilated that and said, nope. There's got to be a party of the people. And it, throughout that party of the people is how we represent our voices. And uh, going back to, you know, how we need people that are just average people. You know, I was having a conversation with people that you guys follow and listen to or not. And I was like, you know, you should run. Uh, you should you should run because you know, we need people that, oh, well, I'm not qualified. What do you mean you're not qualified? Are you an American citizen? That's all you need. For the details and the small things, there are people that are educated in that area. They can uh, provide you guidance and you can look at it and learn about it. It's kind of like a balance sheet. You're the boss. You decide you want to open up a restaurant. It doesn't mean you know the temperature of the meat all the time uh, or, you know, or how things are supposed to be stored. I don't know. I'm just saying things now, right? Just to, to simplify it. But you know you want to offer good service and good food because you like, I don't know, you like Italian food. So you hire the best Italian grandma to cook the raviolis for you. And all you do is pay for her goods, pay her salary, and she makes the really good raviolis so that you can give it to the public, you decorate the place and you're like, come in, you're only going to have the best. And I'm going to taste every single ravioli that comes out of that kitchen. That is exactly what our representatives in Congress should be, Senate should be, and even in the presidency. They should be people that say, no, it doesn't sound right to me. I'm sorry. I don't care what you advisors say. You line your pockets with pharmaceutical dollars. You line your pockets with money from Raytheon. You line your pockets with weird foundation money. I don't want to know. And this is really important. That was the whole point of creating this republic, that it was run by the people. And that's something we're not seeing today. And this is why the media is freaking out. Oh, Laura Loomer might actually win because, you know, yeah, she will. President Trump is actually her constituent in that area. And she will win. Why? Because people know that she will go in there and she will do what the people want. She won't bow down. And I'm going to go with her. So I'm really excited. So I'm just saying, like, this is where you look at the legislation and you're like, well, that doesn't sound right to me. Take this legalese and dumb it down for me like I'm four. That is exactly what I'll be doing. I'm not a lawyer. I can read some. I can decipher some legalese. But when, when I sit there and I'm going to be looking, parsing through legislation that's coming in, I'm going to have someone, okay, you're getting paid, lawyer dude. Unlegalese this for me. That doesn't sound right. 
What are the implications? You know, you dumb it down to the core to understand what, you know, they masterfully, uh, you know, concoct. That's exactly why we need more people like Laura that are loud. People that want to stand up for something. I'm telling you, when she gets in, the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a huge draft on the First Amendment. Huge on, you know, recognizing what these social media platforms are. Are they public utilities? Because this is where we have global public discourse. She has been banned from every channel of public discourse, except for Telegram and Parlay. And yet she's still winning. Because her message is that of integrity and she has integrity and stands for what she says. She doesn't say something and not stand with it. Mm? So there's tons of people that should be running. I can, I can name tons of them off of, you know, social media that should be running. You're, you should be running. All of you, all my listeners should be running because we need the people to take back the country. He's giving it to us. And it's our opportunity to take it back. And you know, we'll be lucky when we get in there that we have Pompeo's and O'Brien's, which remember, I analyzed O'Brien. Freaking love the fact that he was so professional and so, you know, grounded when speaking with President Trump and about President Trump. And here he is making waves. I love O'Brien. I, I mean, I said that too. I really like him. And it, he's a little bit uh, refrained in when he speaks in public, which is totally fine. Because it's like, what can I say or what can't I say? You can actually hear him thinking. It's like elves shoveling coal. I do that a lot too. What am I allowed to talk about? And what am I not allowed to talk about? And you know, I'm pretty sure the president... When he talks to us through his rallies, through his Twitter account, he wants to tell us a lot of things he knows. And he kind of just, darn it, I can't say it. It's better I don't say it. Sometimes he's like, whatever, to the wall, let me tell you. And it's happening. All of this is happening. You see it. The minute that coup is gone, obviously they're concocting the next one. But the minute that coup is gone, here we go. The next one is coming, but we're ready for it because we've, you know, <laughs> we've been to that rodeo before, right? The worst one. And, the, and I just wanted to say the House GOP actually was uh, uh, making an announcement just a few minutes ago live. And I was on it waiting for it to start so that way I could play it for you guys uh, on the show. And I could tell you that the room was completely empty. There was like hardly any journalists. Like there were like five. And they had already started. They're all standing there at the podium. And uh, I could tell you from the minute they started talking, there's one guy playing on his phone, another guy with a camera. A, a chick and another guy, this is all on the left side, right? Uh, supposedly paying attention. And then on the right side, another five people. So there were like less than 10 people of the press there. Like what's going on? And it was delayed in being aired. So it's like nobody wants to hear the House GOP talk. But here's what they said. Republicans had a tremendous week last week. 
Uh, now that impeachment is over, however, uh, we want to make sure people recognize and understand that uh, for the Democrats, uh, they're going to be back to the kind of business as usual with their policies that we've seen consistently. What they demonstrated to us over the course of impeachment uh, and since then and before they began impeachment was that they absolutely cannot be trusted. And we are seeing uh, both here in the House uh, as well as on the campaign trail a series of policies that would bring socialism to this country. I'm sure you all saw on the debate stage uh, only one of their candidates, and it was with a lot of hesitation, raised her hand when the question was uh, whether you'd be troubled by having a socialist at the top of the ticket. Uh, so we're going to continue to fight to make sure the American people don't forget uh, the damage that the Democrats have done. It's particularly clear this week uh, as the uh, president has unveiled his budget request, and that's what we've got our members here to speak about. Uh, but don't forget, as you hear them talk about the president's budget, uh, the fact that the Democrats once again don't have a budget. Once again, the Democrats haven't produced a budget. Uh, that is largely because of the cost of the proposals their presidential candidates and many of their members of Congress have put forward. Uh, $32 trillion uh, health care plan that would eliminate all private insurance, uh, at least $93 trillion and frankly probably much more. Uh, in terms of the Green New Deal, which would abolish uh, the use of fossil fuels, outlaw airplanes, uh, cars, um, embracing socialism across the board, uh, opening up borders, abolishing ICE. Uh, in addition to those and to the cost that they, they know they can't agree on and they know they can't put down on paper because the American people would absolutely reject it, uh, their policies have refused to stand up for the state of Israel. Uh, they've refused to protect the unborn, uh, and they've taken action that would violate our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment rights, uh, and put legislation forward and supported legislation that emboldens America's adversaries, weakens this president, weakens our ability to defend the nation. So we look forward as this year progresses to being able to bring the message to the American people uh, of a party that is very much focused on uh, what's necessary to continue the tremendous policies of President Trump, to continue the growth, the opportunity, and the restoration of our national security we've seen under this president. We think the contrast with the Democrats will be uh, very clear, and the choice will be a clear one as well. With that, I'm going to turn things over to the Republican leader of the Budget Committee, uh, the gentleman from Arkansas, Mr. Womack, to talk a little bit about the president's budget. Good morning. I thank the conference chair for uh, for the opportunity. Look, I applaud the president for putting forward a budget proposal. That's a lot more than I can say from my friends on the other side of the aisle. As you've already heard, for the second straight year, uh, House Democrats that lead the Budget Committee will not produce a budget. That's not leadership. The president's budget includes deficit reduction measures specifically $4.6 trillion between 2021 and 2030. That's a nice start, but a lot more work remains to be done to put our country on a solid fiscal path. Our debt is over $23 trillion. Deficits continue to rise, and we've headed, uh, we're headed toward a fiscal crisis in our nation. The time to act is now. Unfortunately, there seems to be little motivation within the Democrat majority 
to start making the tough budgetary decisions necessary to reverse the course. In the House Budget Committee, we've heard from outside experts time and time again about the daunting reality of our fiscal trajectory, and yet it seems uh, the Democrats are not taking these warnings seriously. Policies promoted by some Democrats, like Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, uh, would increase mandatory spending by tens of trillions of dollars, thus drastically adding to the national debt. And frankly, I know that's why my uh, counterpart in the Budget Committee, John Yarmouth, cannot produce a budget because he knows it would be loaded with programs that would be crushing in terms of its impact on future generations. Put it plainly, there's no better indicator of where Democrats are headed than where they've already been. In this Congress alone, House Democrats have already violated their own PAYGO rules 25 times. If you ask me, that's pretty clear evidence that our colleagues across the aisle don't care about the fiscal crisis we face that will negatively impact every single American. Tomorrow, the House Budget Committee will hear from OMB Acting Director Russ Vogt regarding the President's fiscal 2021 budget request. I'm looking forward to the discussion, and I hope that more eyes will be open to the stark reality we'll face. I will also be interested to see how many committee Democrats will harshly criticize the President's budget, knowing full well that they failed to produce one of their own. In every, every reputable business, every local and state government, the fiscal plan of the entity begins with a budget. But here we are, the greatest nation in the history of the world, and we can't even muster something as simple as a budget. We must start doing our job to put our country on a sustainable, responsible fiscal path. This is our duty to the American people, not promoting budget-busting policies that will leave future generations saddled with the consequences of congressional Democrats' eagerness to spend with no way to pay. It's time for Democrats to roll up their sleeves, join us at the table to do the difficult work. President Trump is leading on the issue. He put forward a budget. Democrats have not. Doing nothing is no option. I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Womack. And now I'd like to recognize the Republican leader of the House Armed Services Committee, Mr. Thornberry, to discuss the President's uh, defense budget request. The administration's uh, budget request for defense is consistent with the two-year budget deal that was reached last year. That means it's a 0.3% increase over this year's budget. Now, obviously, the world has gotten a lot more dangerous than 0.3%, thinking about the Iranian uh, activities, North Korean missile launches, all of China's uh, um, activities. And so what the Pentagon has done is looked internally for savings. That means doing less of some of the things that we have been doing in order to fund the capability we need for the future. And I think it's going to be a major test for this Congress, whether we are able to take the longer, broader view in thinking about the future, even though it means doing some things, uh, less of some things that we're, we're doing now. If you look at this budget request, number one is people, a 3% pay raise. Uh, number two, the largest 
budget ever for research and development. And that's part, that's part of where those savings go to fund more things like hypersonics, uh, artificial intelligence, space, some of the areas where others are actually ahead of us. There's also a major uh, increase on missile defense so that we can not only protect our troops in the field, but do better at protecting our homeland. And, and certainly uh, the nuclear deterrent, increasing the credibility of the nuclear deterrent upon which we have depended for so long is a major priority. Through neglect and, and maybe wishfulness, we have let all aspects of the nuclear deterrent wear out at the same time. So we've got to buy new subs, new bombers, new missiles. We've got to fix the weapons. We've got to repair and, and replace <clears throat> nuclear command and control all at the same time. So this is the president's budget. This is what they're telling you is needed. There's like less than 10 people there. Nobody cares about the budget. But for me, the budget is key. It tells you a lot. It tells you the state of where these people are going. Like, what is their goal? And you're going to say, well, what are you talking about? Uh, the GOP, the Democrat, everybody. That's what I'm talking about. Because where we're spending money, you know, we're always wondering, why are we so in debt? What's going on here? You know, who, what, when, and where? And you have to think about it. Like, what is it? Where are we spending money? Like on stupid stuff, like real stupid stuff. Uh, you know, Nadler's district, for example. I'm going to give you some insight here. Nadler, he's in New York, right? And he's in Congressional District 10. For some reason, the Department of State sent out $100,000 to some company called Mind Leaps. And this is your federal tax dollars, right? And it organizes after-school activities and building community networks at the Youth Community Center in the municipality of Care in Skopje. Wait, stop. What do you mean we're paying for after-school programs in other countries, right, Nadler, but we're not paying for after-school programs within our own? Are you getting this? So they just got $100,000 for one city, to offer after school programs. And the company's name is Mind Leaps. Now, there's Mind Leaps Rwanda and whatever. And what they do is they bring dance to students. They teach them how to dance. It's after school. It's supposed to help them be more socialized, you know. And, you know, according to the site, it's to leap forward in life. And I'm thinking, well, hold on a second. How are we paying? for dance schools, for kids in other countries, which is not a bad thing, but we're not paying for any here. How many of you have kids in school? Because I do. My, her after school programs, each one will be like three, $400. How come a month, you know, if she wants to do like, you know, a certain activity, she wants to go to dance school, you know, we all know it's between two and $400 a month to go to dance school. But for some reason, this city, which is really small, Right. And has maybe, you know, one or two, you know, I actually has two schools, uh, elementary, middle school, right? Two. But high school students go there, too. They have an after school program that we've paid for. But yet we don't have one. Maybe we should ask Nadler. Hey, yo, you applied for this. It's from your district that it's coming out of. You paid them. 
the law firm in New York to this nonprofit, right, called Mind Leaps. And tell me, Nadler, how much of our federal tax dollars did you put in, in your district in New York to help the kids in your area for your constituents that you supposedly represent? These are questions we should be asking them. Like, I'll be honest with you, Laura Loomer coming out, I'm telling you, West Palm Beach is going to have a field day. She is going to do everything they need. You need new roads, I'll get grants for you. You need this, I'll get it done. School needs free food in West Palm Beach because we've got kids that are impoverished. I'll do it. That's one thing that I saw in my, uh, you know, new city. Uh, You know, school lunch is completely free. And then I see on the news in my previous city that they're going to be sending parents to collections who can't afford to pay school lunches. There's the difference. And here's the thing. This state is not as rich as North Dakota, who makes tons and tons and tons of money out of oil. Yet the kids there are one of a lesser God, of course, because it all comes down to the city lining their pockets first. So, you know, the priorities we set is to look after our own. Like every city should be looking after their own people and then worry about the state. Every state should be worrying about itself before it looks out to the federal side. You have to look at your own house before you expand. Now, not a lot of us keep that. I could be on a bad day where I'm like walking around and I've got like five bucks in my pocket and I'm like, oh, let me just go get a burger real quick. And that's all I have on me. Five dollars for the whole day. But I'll see someone that is hungry and on the I'll, I'll give them the $5 because I know that tomorrow it'll be better, right? But if I had $5 for the whole week, even though they're hungry, I will think, well, you know, if I don't keep that $5 and I don't eat, maybe next week when I'll be better or if I work harder or whatever and I see them, I won't be able to give them something. You have to uh, help, uh, you know, yourself and preserve yourself. And this is just, dumb, you know, making it more simple than it is. But it's pretty simple for all of us to say, why, Nadler, are you giving $100,000 to Skopje in Europe when they're part of the European Union and they should be taking care of them, not us, and not your own people, your constituents' kids that need after-school programs? Why not pour in $100,000? to one of your district's schools and say, I'm offering free dance lessons after school. So the moms that work from nine to five have time to go and pick up their kids. The mom that wants to work but can't because she has to go pick up her kid can actually do it because there's an after school program. And not only that, their kid learns how to dance. Their kids makes friends. They, they socialize. They do homework together. I mean, how many of these programs do you see at your schools for your kids or grandkids? And, you know, at minimum, you're going to be paying like 100, 150 bucks a month just for like after school program where they sit and do homework. Simple stuff. Because if the child, you know, finishes school and you have to go get them at three o'clock, how are you going to work? You can't. Right. You got to get out of work earlier, drive out to get them, take them home, feed them. I mean, you're restricted in your time. But if you have the after school program, you could say, hey, leaving work at 430. That's more reasonable. That way I have time to go and get my kid at five, five, ten. You know, the late parents or the working parents. Right. Why not give that money there? Those are just few examples. You know, why are we paying for, you know, a NASA program in Pakistan? Like, why don't we have a NASA space program for our kids here in the United States of America? Why don't we have that? 
That's the thing. Nobody cares to look at where we're spending the money. We have so many people talking smack, 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 but no one's bringing out the numbers. I could show you the numbers. They've been awarded through the SAM system. I can pull them all out. In 2018, we gave over $50 million, right? Under the supposed Freedom Support Act to provide, and, I, and, and, and hear this out, civil society and democracy building public diplomacy programs with Europe, Eurasia, and Central Asia. The applicable countries are, now listen to these countries carefully, Albania, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Belarus, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, who's filthy rich, Kosovo, Kyrgyzstan, I refuse to say, I'm going to say the Republic of Macedonia, I refuse to say that, Moldova, Montenegro, Russia, Serbia, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Ukraine, and Uzbekistan. Wow, really weird that it's just those Balkan countries and former Soviet and you know, that's really weird, right? And again, why are we spending money to Russia, right? When they have a surplus. So what is it exactly is this money being used for? These are the questions all of us should be asking. You know, we should be asking, you know, the the State Department's Office of the Coordinator of U.S. Assistance to Europe and Eurasia. Because that's the fund in Armenia that was used to pay the rent for the ISIS guys by Yovanovitch. But I digress. This is what I'm saying. We don't, we, they don't, sh- okay, they say, well, the books are there if you want to look at them. But do you know what you're looking for? Do you know what you're looking for? No, you don't. So how are you going to see it? They're spending trillions, trillions of dollars. And, you know, you have no idea where it's going. I mean, how would you? How would you know where it's going? You wouldn't. Do you know that there's something called the um, International Organization for Migration? Right? In 2018, they got $5.5 million. In 2019, in May, they got $3.6 million. In 2019, in in December, they got $1.5 million. You have to ask yourself, Where's this money going? And why are there so many multiple recipients, individual recipients through social security going there? Think, think international organization for migration. Like where's all this money going to? And this is again from the congressional district um, of, you know, DC 98 who runs that district. Then you have to ask yourself, all right, who's the representative for that district? I want to know because this is like, you know, a big issue here. Why are we spending all this money? And, you know, it's Dingle. Dingle, Dingle, Dingle. Um, well, no, he's he's in mixing up the names. He is the guy over in Michigan, right? He's uh, Michigan's 15th congressional district. Um, I'm trying to think who is in that one. Um, it wasn't. Elijah, no, because he wasn't there. I'm going to, I'm going to sit on it and maybe I'll even search it. But what's funny is, is uh, if, 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 if there is a congressional district, who is it that is representing that district that is sending all this money? Oh, wait. And specifically, guess where it's going to international organization for migration. Actually, it's an award to promote 
International Organization for Migration for its um, organization uh, trading international program in, get this, Somalia. And they've received $41 million. Are you listening to this? $41 million. Huh. So they are still supposed to be getting money. This ends this program for agency of, you know, obviously from D from USAID on May 31st, 2020. So to date, they have received 41 million, 16,847 dollars. So this program is to support growth, foreign policy objectives, and it's an agency. Um, it's part of obviously USAID. And this is how much money we have given them from 2016. So February 1st, 2016 until May 2020, we've given them 40 point, 41, over $41 million. Huh. Where else could we have spent $41 million within our nation to help our people? Why haven't we been able to do this? Why are we also giving money and grants of $69 million, over $69 million to the United Nations? This is money, right? Money. So USAID has given six, uh, a total, a total, right? And we're talking from October 1st, 2017 in three years, $139 million four hundred and fifteen thousand nine hundred and eight dollars of your hard earned money they've given it to them in order to help them supposedly with food so we have given all that money for food for peace emergency program that is what they asked for. So when they got their first payment on the 8th of June, 2018, it was $69,707,000. And then they got another payment to continue it, modification, right? To give them an additional $69,717,000. This is ridiculous, you guys. Like we're giving the United Nations a bunch of money and I don't understand why we are giving them this money. It, shouldn't each nation be contributing the same? You know, you're working right now. I'm working. Well, you know, and we pay taxes. So how do you feel knowing that your taxes are not going to the guy outside on the street, are not going to the veteran that can't afford a place to live. They're not going to, uh, you know, children that are out on the street, parents that are out on the street, people that are struggling, but it's going to create dance schools for some city you've never seen that belongs to another union that should be looked after. I mean, you know, the Skopje, pretty much, they're part of the EU. And the EU is like the United States. So think about it. How many times has your state received money, I don't know, from France to create a dance school? How many 
how many times can you count and think, oh, look, you know, uh, the, the United Kingdom, the crown created this after school activity for, you know, some down and out neighborhood in Columbus, Ohio, or look, they paid for this program after school for single moms in Brooklyn so they can go to work and not worry about their kids. How many times has another country done that for one of our states? Zero. Yet we're doing it for European states. They're treating us really unfairly. They're fighting us back all the time. And yet we are spending money. Uh, let me say it in a different way. They are spending our money. And that's mostly to do what? Buy favors, get money coming back into their pockets. That's exactly what they're doing. We shouldn't be allowing this. Not on our dime. This isn't fair. How is that even fair? It's so crazy just thinking about it, that all this money is going off to all these other countries and we don't have access to it. Like we don't. Healthcare. How many of our elderly right now in January got smacked with like $500, $800 deductible? They go in to get their blood pressure medication. The pharmacist is like, you got a deductible of $435. Pay it. And then after that, you'll be paying $10 a month for your prescription. They don't have $400. They take home $500 a month. So what are they supposed to do? Live off air? How are they going to pay their rent? How are they going to pay their electric? How are they going to pay all these other fees their city and their state has on them, you know, and get by and eat. But instead we give that money to other countries that are the responsibility of their own other cities in other countries and in other conglomerates like the European union. Like, why are we doing this? You know, it was really strange that I came upon how we gave money to Burkina Faso when Ilhan Omar was visiting. A huge grant to promote democracy. I wonder where that money went. Slaughtering Christians, maybe? Is that how you want your hard-earned dollars? You work from 9 to 5, per se. Lots of us do overnights, right? Lots of us do on demand. You work hard for your money. And that sweat... And that effort, that time away from your family, that time away from being able to sit at the dinner table, that time away from opening up Christmas presents, that's all going to fund these people that are slaughtering Christians. To fund some other, some dance school in some random city that's the responsibility of the European Union. To fund rich nations with supposed food. To fund what? What is it that we're funding? I don't want my dollars going. To, it's like they're taking it out of your own kid's mouth and giving it to some random place that isn't even your responsibility. It's really not fair. And we need to crack down on this as soon as possible because this is how they wash money back. You know, two, three years ago, I started talking about, well, I started talking about the IMF way before that. <laughs> but one thing is that... You know, the most corrupt organization is the IMF. I wrote an article through Big League Politics about it. They literally trade on a currency that's debt. The more debt a nation has, the power, more powerful their currency is. Through them, we have had this globalist cabal 
launder money back into their pockets. And the money is worth something only because you give it worth, right? Because if there's a guy that opens up a shop and says, look, I'm going to be your doctor. I don't take money, but you bring me something like bring me a pie. If I'm going to examine you, bake me a pie. That would be good. I would like, uh, hey, you're a butcher. Good. Uh, bring me three slabs of steak. That's good. Value. You know what? My watch broke. You're, you're a clock fixer. You, you fix watches and you're a clock maker. Here, take it. You fix it from me. I'll take a look at you. Th- those are things of value because you're going to use things like that. Like you're going to eat the beef from the butcher, right? You're going to use the eggs from the guy that brought you eggs from their chickens. Uh, you're going to, you know, uh, you know, want your watch to work. You know, hey, Coder, I got a virus. You come, yeah. Oh, you're sick? I'll take a look at you and everything. In exchange, I would like you to, uh, you know, take care of this virus on my computer. Barter. That was the original currency. And then we gave value to gold because it was scarce, right? And that worked a lot easier because sometimes the services you offer, you know, are more of a burden. Like someone that makes pies, you know, can't make like, what are they going to do? Make you 50 pies? And are you going to really eat 50 pies? You know what I mean? To be, to have the same services as someone that would bring you a cow. So we gave value to gold and gold was scarce. It was, you know, a precious metal still is. And so was silver. And then instead of trading stones and pounds of gold and, you know, whole volts of gold, we then created a currency that was backed by that. And that currency, we gave value based on gold and the gold would reflect one cow, three cows, five cows, a house, a boat, you know, stuff like that. And that's how currency became. And then they decided, all right, this is what we're going to do, man. We're going to take all the gold. We're going to give them monopoly money, right? Not backed by anything. So with a click of a button, we could just make it disappear. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you can't trade your dollar in for a cow. You can't trade it in anymore for silver. So, you know, what are they supposed to do? Tough nookies. That's basically what they tell you. It's worth nothing. It's just paper. The worth it has is just the worth you give it. And, and that was their point. That's why they did it. The worth it has is the merit that you give it and how good it is or how valuable it is for you, not for anyone else. So it was all an illusion. This whole thing is just an illusion. Okay. And this illusion is coming down to an end. It's literally coming down to an end. Why? Because Julian Assange is coming home. And remember what he did? He was holding a book when he was taken in. Here we go.
Just an illusion uh, when you hear the president telling you that, you know, oh, my gosh, the Democrats are at it again. Oh, my gosh, this is happening. It's all an illusion. It is because he already knows what they're up to. He already knows what they're doing. He's already 20 steps ahead. And that's not just to Pegasus and, you know, uh, you know, people being able to access things. It's because history does indeed repeat itself. And not only that, corrupt creatures have a habit of repeating the same mistakes. Think about it. Like, remember when the Mueller investigation was going on and I was thinking, well, hold on, guys. He's calling all these people, so many people, interviewing so many people. And he's got the corrupt clowns, happy, excited, looking forward to, let's take him down, right? But isn't that a way that you create records of things? Isn't that how you put things on paper? Isn't that how you catch the bad guy by making it public record? Well, public per se, it's classified. I mean, you know, it seems like the double-edged sword has come as they were grasping onto it, hoping that it would annihilate the movement of the people. Instead, it ended up stabbing them in the face. And this is where they're at. Because what they're concocting right now, oh boy, we're rounding everything up. Thank God for Space Force. Thank God for people like you 
that speak and drive the news. Because in the end, we're the news now. Because we talk about what we want, not what they want. I'll see you guys shortly right after this break. See you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Said Show. Tory. So, Tuesday, 11th of February, just a few days before Assange is totally released and coming back here. He's coming home to the United States. And you're going to be like, but he's not from here. He's from Australia. He's coming home to help us all. You know, it's, it's funny how I see a lot in the media about different conservatives all the time and loud voices too. What we've seen articles being written about Bannon, about General Flynn, and now about Roger Stone, because he's a little bit freaky. He's got the little pop socks and he was a little bit experimental. A lot of us don't have evidence of the, you know, promiscuous things that we have done as kids because there weren't, there wasn't social media back then. And a lot of us don't have our tragedies ripped up and brought out into the public. Um, that's another thing. But what we see is this immense attack against people speaking. You will hear the wildest things about anyone. Like Scott by he is going through hell. And, you know, Roger Stone right now, I mean, come on, guys. This guy was always everything to the wall. You know, he partied. He had fun. He was living the times of yore, right? The times where we had a great family, the time where family structures and units were important, the time where these things uh, were being amplified and fought for in the, in, in the 70s, 80s, and, and 90s, uh, but mostly in the 80s and the 70s. People were fighting for that because that was the first war, but it was then when we realized during Nixon, we realized just how embedded this is. And, you know, this weekend and yesterday showed you that the peripheral actors are the ones that sit there, the arms and the legs of the head of this global cabal. And the global cabal isn't just in the United States, right? It's everywhere. I was uh, seeing, uh, you know, uh, Leslie Gladder, she was, uh, she's the director of many shows like Mad Men, Twin Peaks, West Wing, uh, Homeland, Pretty Little Liars. She did the pilot for it, right? And, uh, she, you know, she's a good director, but she was having conversations with people and she was like, oh, you know, she's getting ideas. Um, and she was, um, on the wing, uh, at the wing, talking with a bunch of people. And one girl that goes by the handle CIA spy girl, her name is a Emily Brandwin. She says she's a former CIA disguise and ops officer. I'm going to tell you what. She was a desk jockey placing orders for stuff, okay? Because if you ever worked for the agency, okay, and you were a good guy or a bad guy, they've manufactured 
schmear stuff. They've planted people around you to destroy you if you ever open your mouth. So for her to host Deep State Radio and she talks smack about the president of the United States. You know, she goes to Good Morning America, blah, blah, blah. She's she's a phony. She was a desk jockey. It's like, you know, an administrative assistant, you know. I'm just going to leave it. She just did purchase orders, okay? I don't care for, for whatever division she was at because she's also batting for their team. They manufacture, they can slot things into you. They can delete things. They can create things. They will do anything to shut you down. And, you know, people that are super visible, like Roger Stone, he's never hidden anything. He was always... What you see is what you get. Now people are like, oh, you know this. I hate people like that. That just go round and round, just going for everything. Round and round, let's attack our own. The people that actually took swords and arrows, let's attack them. I, I loathe that because that's, that's horrible. I mean, look what they did to Roseanne Barr. Look at what they're doing to a lot of people. And yet you have people on the right claiming that they're, you know, patriots claiming that they're all fighting for it rather than saying, you know what? Mm, I start everyone at a hundred percent and it's up to them to keep it. Then that is how it should be because then you're sucked into the propaganda. That's all you have. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, a lot of people were giving a lot so much to President Trump for killing the uh, Pentagon contract with Amazon. And so now, you know, the only way that you can have, uh, you know, information, uh, you know, to sit, to sue like, oh, you like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I need you to testify now. You know how Bezos is uh, mandating that the president testify. You don't need the president to testify. His cabinet or his people do it. But the reason is, is because, you know, you have the people that actually gave you the contract, the people that put it together in there, right? Together, huh? They're going down for treason. And I don't care if they paid you under specific contracts, Jeff, to do certain things. Like, you know, how you do the Amazon shopping with the facial recognitions. Have you guys ever been to one of those stores where you go to Whole Foods and you just take things off the shelf and you walk out and they charge your Amazon account? You know, they, what they don't know is that they're sharing that information with a private security firm that used to be called Global uh, Strategies Group. Uh, it, it's like gone. <laughs> the site is gone. You think the Chinese, when they were hacking your information, your social security number, your addresses, everything that they were just feeding their AI? I told you that. Yes, I know. It's going to a more global intelligence company. It's private. They use it as they wish. Yeah, they train algorithms, but they use it as they wish. You know, all this stuff is coming out and all they can do is attack. So they attack uh, patriots, they attack, you know, reporters, they attack actors, they attack regular people, they attack anyone they can find to discredit Q, everything. Oh, it's horrible. It's a cult. Well, cults usually tell you, you know, come and live with us and do this. Oh, they're talking about, well, you know, they could say whatever they want. We still have free speech. Oh, mm, they're going to try. I'm telling you this. Tomorrow, Wednesday, they're going to try to nab the narrative. 
but they're done. No matter what they throw doesn't stick. That's the way it is. No matter what they throw cannot stick anymore. You know, when Jerry Lee was arrested in 2018 at JFK heading to President Trump from China, I was thinking, boy, Brennan must be real pissed. But, you know, they had manufactured evidence. They, they admitted it. They manufactured that evidence. Same FBI agent, Kelly O'Brien. They manufactured the evidence. They put it together and they arrested him. And then you have to think, well, wait a minute. If you had a black book with every single asset and clandestine person's name in it, and there are a lot of names in it, why did you let him leave the country with it? Oh, we were just investigating and checking things out. Uh, That's how we do it. That's not how it works. It's either a problem for national security or it's not. You know, so yes, they arrested him. Yes, they tried to brain fry him. But, you know, not all your assets are actually assets. Not always. And some assets are actual liabilities, especially uh, the ones that are not under attack. That's what you have to look at, because in a time of war, no one is left untouched. Right. Everything's game for these people, children, everything. They'll, they'll do anything to maintain power. So the proper assets, even though some of them may have liabilities, may not. Right. They, they, they may be li- liabilities in some aspect. And you would think that they would be dumped and allowed. They're not. An asset is an asset, especially one that has flipped the team or had been flipping teams. I'm just going to say it like that. So what the people are now seeing is a mass movement of people who wore a black hat and sat in waiting, he exposed the white one. I, I hope that helps. Because, you know, what's funny is, is that, see, everyone's waiting for things to be declassified now, right, guys? We're waiting for stuff to be declassified. And if. Something, okay, if things are being declassified, but instead of them giving that declassified information to, I don't know, agencies, or I don't know, like Nadler didn't get the declassified and vetted information that Giuliani provided to the DOJ, and it goes straight to the public, what happens? Are they the last to know? I mean, that's what you have to think about. Are they the last to know? They will always attack only those that are a threat to what their, I want to say longevity, because they will do anything to main power, to maintain it. I don't want to say longevity. I want to say their ability to exist. There we go. Their ability to exist. Like, who are they really serving, you guys? I mean, come on. 
you know, I have to be so careful what I say. So this weekend in the public, right? He didn't stop and say, yo, Governor Burgum, yo, Governor so-and-so, yo, Governor so-and-so. I haven't exposed the other two yet. I'm just waiting for some documentation, which by the way, Governor Burgum, remember when I was talking about yesterday about his um, property that he purchased that now he wants federal tax and get all these tax kickbacks? Well, I found out that NFK actually gave him a capital loan of $77 million to actually make that project that he asked to make, that he envisioned making when he bought the property. Uh, Guess what? NFK Global Capital Partners is actually a front for the majority of Chinese investors. I just wanted to point that out. But anyway, Pompeo didn't go straight to them, did he? He didn't say, hey, come here, governor. Let me tell you something. This is a CIA front. You know that. You know that when you were talking to these people, that, you know, software thing where you put them in contact, you're like, yeah, you know, I did some startups like this. I'll get you connected. You guys can work together. You know, that stuff might have helped Equifax. I'm just saying. This is a a front by Chinese intelligence to penetrate. And you sold out your state thinking you were making friends. I mean, your state was just handing out degrees before that. They were already at the top of the list of friendly to China because of soybeans and all that stuff. So, you know... You got a problem. We need to fix this. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that to any of the governors on that list. You know what he did? He stood in front of the people and told everyone at once, that is how you pull their pants down. And he enjoyed every minute of it. That's why I love him. And he's the type of person that, you know, you know, Pompeo, I, I, the reason I like him and I'm, you know, I'm going to say it straight because it's just like the way I think. Let's pretend I was a cop, right? And I'm on the beat and I go to store and I see this, you know, uh, woman with a baby in her arm and dragging another baby stealing pampers, right? I'm going to stop her and I'm going to be like, yo, you can't steal pampers, but I'm not going to take her to jail. I'm going to be like, let me buy them for if I could. And if not, I'll be like, yo, just put them back. We'll pretend not to. And I'll give you some address where you could go pick up free pampers. Don't do that. You don't want to go to jail. These kids are going to go into the foster system. God knows who's going to have them. That would be me. I wouldn't arrest them. Because it wasn't something done because they wanted to steal just to steal. It was out of necessity. And then there I am on the beat and I see this guy who, you know, pops out of a Cadillac, just saying, and walks into Social Security and demands food stamps, right? And he's demanding food stamps and he has a phone and he's playing on it. Person, old guy next to him is playing on a phone and he swipes the phone. No big deal. It's just a phone, right? It's still something. And it was a flippy phone to make it even worth like 20 bucks. That guy I am going to halt to jail because not only are you driving in a Cadillac and you're taking money from the government, but that old guy with the flippy phone, why'd you take his phone, man? You have your own stuff. You're mooching off the government. You're just doing it just to do it and make like $10 extra because you really got nothing. And I don't even know how you afforded this Cadillac because I'm going to tell you something. One thing that I've always seen whenever I've been down to Social Security Administration for like different things, right? I see all these nice vehicles and I'm like dude and then they're all like applying they all have like benefits cards and I'm like how how is this even happening uh, obviously majority of them are illegal aliens but whatever that is the difference you discern between the real you know bad person and the person that's just doing bad things because they think it's justified even though it's not so and this is why I like him 
But when you expose the really big bad guys, you're not going to give them the courtesy when they're public office, right? To not show that they've abused their constituents and their position and their seat. And this was very, very important. I mean, we saw Pompeo talk about that, right? Everything about the China corruption and everything. And then we see Barr talking about hacks. And suddenly, guess who started talking the loudest? The governor that I was talking about suddenly came out and said, oh, cyber attacks happen all the time in our state. And we're looking into it. And it's like, dude, you're the one that sold software to Microsoft. You're the governor. Yet our state in North Dakota is the one that gets the most cyber attacks ever. Like, what are you doing? Are you even doing your job? Or are you just taking money from the Chinese? Like, which one is it? Or are you just trying to find projects you can do to make money when you're out of office? Which one is it? That's how... He exposes them one in another. And then the corrupt expose themselves because they justify or no, they obfuscate what they've really done. And that's because they're creatures of habit. Kind of like Lindsey Graham. Uh, you know, there's a clip of Lindsey Graham I want to play. Um, he says that, um, first of all, he said that, uh, a lot of people are going to be going to jail. Like half of the people that worked on the Russia hoax and all this stuff and the impeachment thing, they're all going to jail. But what he said was, is that president Trump can run on a record that Democrats can't refute. That's his winning card. We all know that he delivered the goods. No one else did listen to what he says. Delivered my address on the state of the union. And I had somebody behind me who was mumbling terribly mumbling. Mumbling, wow, wow, oh, wow. It's very distracting. I'm speaking and a woman is mumbling terribly behind me, angry. There was a little anger back there. We're the ones should be angry, not them. We're the ones that should be angry. President Trump pretty fired up at a rally last night here in New Hampshire, renewing his attacks against Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The bad blood between the two on full display during that State of the Union address that he mentioned from last week. President Trump also touting his acquittal in the Senate impeachment trial and ripping into 2020 Democrats over the chaos in Iowa. Let's bring in our headliner this morning, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Good Great morning. to have you hey, this morning, glad Senator. Glad to be with you. I got a free jacket. <laughs> Good. What do you think about this beautiful setup here. It is like being in a postcard. Yeah, it really Democracy is. Democracy and I told Pence, stop mumbling, but he just won't listen. Oh, <laughs> got I it. I think he was talking about the speaker. <laughs> oh, okay. I missed that. He's got it now. So what are you seeing? What are you hearing since you've been here on the ground? I know you landed. You went straight to the rally last night. So I've been coming here about a dozen years. This changes things for politicians. McCain beat Bush, kept his campaign alive in 2000. One in 2008, you know, after losing Iowa, President Trump won here after losing Iowa. This is a big deal. I have never been to a rally like I like last night. These people are so committed to this president and his agenda. Uh, and when it comes time to vote, you know, all these confused people you heard about, those folks in that arena were not confused about who they're going to vote for. And the numbers are stunning in terms of the economy. No doubt about it. I don't know if your ears were ringing, but Sandra and I last night were at a rally for Joe Biden and somebody who introduced him mentioned you by name and said, Lindsey Graham once said, Joe Biden is the greatest human being he ever met. 
He's and, a wonderful man. So what's changed for you, though, where uh, now you think he'd be a horrible president? Oh, I, well, he's been wrong about everything. I didn't say he'd be a great president. I said he's a wonderful person. Thanks to Joe Biden, we left Iraq. Uh, and ISIS came about. He was uh, the foreign policy advisor to the president there. Uh, he didn't want to take a shot at, uh, you know, uh, bin Laden. So the bottom line is, is, it's not about whether I like him. I like him a lot. It's about what kind of president he would be. I think if you like the Obama years, it would actually be worse. And the bottom line here is this president, Trump, has got a lot he can say that the other side can't refute. Did you see how Lindsey Graham shut it down and how he tried to? You should you should see his body. Oh, 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 I didn't say he'd be a good president. I just said, you know, that, you know, uh, he's a good person. How do you see a good person? In Iraq, they made tons of money. He, his brother made a ton of money in Iraq. So why did you bring that up? Oh, he pulled this out. Yeah, so his brother made a fortune. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? This is what we got. Come on. On that note, the FBI, you know, um, you know, has left us with a bittersweet taste in our mouth. Uh, Giuliani earlier today said that the FBI um, is not going to be taking down Clinton lackeys like the DOJ. And we don't need the FBI to do anything. We can fix that. We can totally fix that. And that'll be coming soon on how we're going to fix it. But I think it's important we listen to how he tells you the FBI is not going to do it because the FBI is not clean yet either. On Tuesday, I delivered my address on the State of the Union and I had somebody behind me who was mumbling terribly, mumbling, <laughs> mumbling. Wow, wow, oh, wow. It's very distracting. I'm speaking and a woman is mumbling terribly. Wait a minute. What happened here? Why am I seeing Lindsey Graham again? Mm. Computers. They're supposed to make our life easier, and sometimes it's just like... Mm. Now look who's here. Here we go. Trump <laughs> surrogate and uh, former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. How are you? How are you? Back from a four-day trip uh, from every place... Uh, ...you're thinking about. <laughs> yeah. real, real quickly, this... Wait. I just want to tell you, this is from November 4th. 2016 okay Giuliani November 4th 2016 that's four days before President Trump was elected I want you to listen to this very carefully day of the race right now right now I think if we held the election today uh, he wins by two three percent nationally and maybe by two states in terms of electoral votes by the time we get to Tuesday, I think it will be bigger. The two blue it's states. Moving, it's moving the in two his blue states that you think are ready to go red. I think Michigan. That's the number one blue uh, oh, that you think. Oh no, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Pennsylvania over in, Michigan. I was in uh, Philadelphia yesterday, right in the heart of Democratic town with the FOP, because the police officers of uh, Philadelphia support Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That's a Democratic city. All the police officers of Pennsylvania support the entire FOP so we did a big ceremony at their lodge and then I was at the Republican head headquarters with all the workers that are getting out there to work now their job is interesting their job is to hold the vote to a down, down to about keep it at about 22 percent in Philadelphia <laughs> Romney was below 22 percent right. and he lost if we can get him to 22 percent in Philadelphia then he's going to win the state. Yeah. And uh, where is he now? Where'd you say he is now? The, he's probably at about 23, 24. He's right okay. in the thing. Let's dig into the latest, Mr. Mayor. We woke up this morning and we're reading the latest about uh, the email stuff and Anthony Weiner's laptop. And there are State Department emails that are found on his laptop. 
not duplicates, and apparently yeah. these are some of the email that they were supposed to turn over yeah. but didn't. So, uh, illegal, whether they're classified or unclassified, because they're government documents. Mm -hmm. So, the, the, uh, the, reckless, uh, the reckless statute that says if you're uh, grossly negligent pertains to government records, not just classified material. Mm -hmm. So, if any of that is government records, even not, cl if cl not classified, that would be a misdemeanor. If it's classified, it would be a felony for him and whoever put it there. And uh, if her... Is Uma in trouble or is Hillary in trouble? Well, Uma is definitely in trouble. And Hillary's in trouble because now we take her reckless, uh, mm -hmm. recklessness and now we've extended it to making it available to a sexual pervert. But uh, it's still not intent. Comey talks about don't need intent. intent. But he says you do need well, intent. He's not a judge. <laughs> no, gee, that, well, that's why that's he right. didn't move he's to not Congress. He's not, right. he's not Congress. And that's one of the reasons why Congress, right now... Congress set up a grossly negligent standard for a reason, if you read the re legislative history. Because they want to scare people into being careful sure. with the handling of sensitive information. Mm -hmm. So they said, intent, that's, that, that'll put you in jail for a long time. Okay, so before we listen to this, this is a trip back in time, right? We're talking like almost four years ago. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because this is going to be very, very, very important coming soon. Uh, intent. And we've talked about intent. Do you have the intention to commit a crime? You know, you know, if you are messing around in your house and, you know, your windows open and you fumble and a vase falls down and it injures someone, did you have the intention to hurt them? No. Your window was open to air out smoke, for example, tripped and fell and the vase fell out. You didn't have the intention to cause harm. Now, if you took that vase and you were targeting the person, totally different story, right? That's intention to cause harm. So here he's saying, what do you mean intent? And, and again, what does Comey mean by intent? Hold on. Wiener's got all these emails there, right? If they're government emails, period, they shouldn't be on his personal laptop. That's number one. Number two, forwarded email accounts from Clinton to Huma or Clinton to or Huma to Clinton all on his, you know, personal laptop, which he says is his. So that way, what? Huma could say he hacked hers or stole hers. Like, what is she going to say? So here we have the not need for intent. You should have protected the emails by not forwarding them through Yahoo or emailing them to someone that's not supposed to intend, you know, not intended as a recipient. So what are you doing? It's like when, if, if you send me an email and you put, for your eyes only, not for public view. And then I post it. I just violated that personal communication because you have that right. That's the law, right? That's the law. Well, when you're sending government information or whenever you get an email, sometimes some of my email accounts have those disclosures at the bottom. If it's not intended for you, destroy it. Because if you get it and then you publicize it and it says the disclosure, this isn't intended for you, destroy it or, you know, can't share it or whatever. And you do. That's against the law. So, again, government communications uh, do have that disclosure that you sign a paper when you join a state or federal agency. You should know that. Classified even worse. But grossly negligent, you're still going to do three years roles. in jail. There are roles to this. You have and to people have been prosecuted for this. Right. I've prosecuted people for this. Even when I was sympathetic with the way in which they did it. Because they actually made a mistake. Now, we know she had intent. Right. Comey is just dead wrong. When you destroy 33,000 emails, when you acid wash them, when you give 10 ex false exculpatory statements, 
That's the evidence that we use as prosecutors to prove intent. Sure. And as people make their final decision over the next four days, you've got Donald Trump, who has said some, some coarse things, no doubt about it. But then you've got her. She, she is currently is, under a federal criminal investigation. Well, she's definitely guilty. Uh, I can tell you that from just reading what... what absolutely guilty, what, is that what you said? Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, Judge Janine is going to explain to you the UBS case. Clearly she went to Geneva because they got to over millions of dollars from UBS. She sold... Uh, she let 20% of our uranium go to Russia because they got about $30 million and they're... I did tell you guys that I worked at UBS, right, as, uh, should I say, like, intern? I should, like, say something like that, right? Nine months. That was an assignment. I worked there. London, Switzerland, Brussels, and Monaco at their offices. I just thought I'd mention it because that's going to come in handy later uh, when we're going to talk about it. And I know I have to talk about my trip to Panama because uh, Finesca, all of that is coming out. We just had one big ruling um, last week. You know, the Caribbean folded. Virgin Islands are folding. It's all going to be coming out. They can't stop this. You know, the president doesn't have the wind in his back, you guys, as he's, you know, doing all this. You know, people are like, oh, he just got a new, you know, second gust of wind to like, you know, because he won in peace. But nah, man, what you're seeing is a freaking hurricane, an F5 right behind him blowing you down. That's a storm behind him and it's landed. But. What he's saying is really, really important. This is going to be coming into play very soon. Their friends made over $100 million right. on that deal. That's, a, that's, a quid, that's what we call a quid pro quo. Right? Uh, so, and now here's the best indication that the State Department and the Clinton Foundation will want. Uma Abedin and Cheryl Mills work for both. Got paid. She got work, she worked for both, which is unfathomable. And Kenio, too. And, Tenio, really. and, and she had signed an agreement saying she was going to keep them separate. If you're going to keep them separate, your two top people don't get paid by the taxpayers. Right. Hillary said she was going to and keep them separate. And by the Hillary. And they right. weren't volunteers for the Clinton Foundation. They were being paid mm -hmm. by the Clinton Foundation. Can we move over and talk about something you, you might have contacts in, and that's the FBI. The word is they're being ripped apart. There's, a, there's an anti-Trump and a pro-Trump uh, culture there. There's people that are outraged about James. Okay, so he's a lackey, as always, right? And he's always switching topics when he gets uncomfortable. But, you know, the Clinton Foundation, here's the thing. My birthday's coming up, right? So I went online and, you know, Facebook's like, put a charity you want, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I was like, why not? So I'm looking around there and I'm like, Trump Foundation, donate to President Trump. Yet the Clinton Foundation is at the top of the list. The top of the list, okay? Top of the list, yet financial investigators had just come out saying that the Clinton Foundation is not eligible to be a charity. And that's going to be tomorrow's show because that actually just like came out. There's a report coming out with that. Um, but I wanted to make that clear because, uh, you know, many times people are like, oh, I watch. Yeah, I watch Fox because I like some of the personalities on it. Right. That they haven't removed yet. But it's lackeys like him that really annoy me uh, because, you know, he shifted gears when he when Rudy Giuliani was talking about the quid pro quo. Whoa. Wonder where. Oh, wait. Was he talking about it before they were talking about it? And he was talking about a different quid pro quo. Right, guys. You see how this works? This is how it works. This is how corruption works. We already know. He already knew. A lot of us already know. 
James Comey, the New York office, and the field well, offices beside themselves. What's going on? I'm real careful not to talk to any on-duty active FBI agents. I don't want to put them in a compromising mm -hmm. position. But I sure have a lot of friends who are retired FBI agents, close personal friends. This has been going on since July, since the day Comey did this. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reaction of the FBI agents who are retired that I know is almost uniformly that Comey made the wrong decision, that she should have been prosecuted back in July. And uh, from that point on, I've been hearing from the retired agents that the Justice Department was obstructing the investigation mm -hmm. of the Clinton Foundation, which might in fact be even more serious because it would be a vast fraud, multi-millions of dollars. And, Mayor, because Jim Comey did not recommend uh, charges back in July, that's one of the reasons why now, at the 11th hour, these, FBI, these FBI agents though, are leaking to the press what's going on with the investigation. Well, I think, the, you know, look, look, who are they? The FBI agents are not the Clinton uh, lackeys, you know, or the Obama lackeys like we have in the Justice Department, like this guy Karzik or whatever his name is. Kazik. Yeah, who kept, uh, who kept uh, Podesta out of jail. He was now an assistant attorney. Well, no, Podesta writes in an email, he kept me out of jail. He did. So, uh, this, is, this guy has been leaking information to Podesta. Should be fired immediately. In the I, Justice I Department I worked in, right? he'd have been fired three days ago. I just wanted to say, fired immediately. You know, we just had this just a couple weeks ago with FBI leaks again. Listen, this is why the FBI is still corrupt and we got to fix this. Let's Listen. bring in Heritage Foundation senior legal fellow Hans von Spakovsky to break this down. Okay, Hans, the New York Times is reporting it involved classified information involving Russian intelligence and Russian, docu Russian documents that the FBI then got and then started leaking. It's reportedly about emails between Democrat uh, DNC leader Debbie Wasserman Schultz and a nonprofit official associated with George Soros talking about how then-Attorney General Loretta Lynch was going to step in and stop the FBI probe into Hillary Clinton's emails. There's no indication that email between Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the George Soros uh, nonprofit official is even valid, true, and authentic. But Oh, really? So we're upset that Debbie Wasserman's... What did I tell you guys months ago about the Awan brothers? You know, all this Seth Rich going on, all these new cases. We got PBS attacking reporters. Why is PBS in trouble? I want you to think. I want you guys to think because there's some things that I can't say until they're public. But I just wanted to throw this out. This happened last month. Okay. Did you hear about it a lot? No, you didn't, did you? You didn't. You didn't hear a lot about it. But I have an article in the pipeline about this. I was waiting to see what was happening in regards to PBS. I think I'm going to leave the PBS part out and I'm going to do that later. But um, I don't think you've ever heard this before, right? That, you know, there's leaks of info that came out about how Comey was in on this. It's Comey leaking information. Second time he's caught leaking, at least. Your, your reaction to that? Well, if, if in fact he leaked classified uh, uh, information, a classified intelligence assessment, uh, that's potentially a serious violation of federal law. And uh, that kind of mishandling of classified material has in the past led to the prosecution of many other uh, federal government employees. Okay, here, you know, here's, let's back up. 
Wait a minute. So an email between Debbie Washburn Schultz and um, Soros Foundation official exchanging Russian documents and saying how the FBI is going to shut it down, shut down the Clinton investigation. Why is that classified again? I'm sorry. Isn't everything my congressperson, unless it has to do with national security, supposed to be available to me? Like if I was now to do a FOIA request of all communications that my congressperson has sent from February 1st till February 11th today, and I said, I want it, they have to give it to me, but they have to redact or exclude anything that's considered of national security or of classified nature. So tell me why Debbie Washman Schultz talking with a, a, a Soros official talking about how the FBI is going to shut down the Hillary investigation considered classified. And this is Fox News saying it, right? This isn't CNN. This is Fox News saying it. Just want to. Mm. There's a history here. There's a pattern here, Hans, right. that I'd like you to talk about. Federal prosecutors in New York had looked into James Comey after he had used his personal lawyer and friend, Dana Richmond, who was on the payroll of the FBI as an independent contractor. He leaks the contents of his memo about Comey. Comey leaked it to Dana Richmond about Comey's talks with Trump, uh, President Trump, in the Oval Office about uh, Mr. Flynn. And then he, he leaks it to Daniel Richmond in order to initiate the special counsel appointment, meaning Robert Mueller. I mean, so this is, we, this is the only, it feels like only the tip of the iceberg of what, what we know about James was doing in manipulating and working with the press. Your reaction? Well, yeah, and in fact, that's not something the FBI director should be doing. And, and remember... Uh, part of the uh, a prior IG report by the Inspector General of the Justice Department was, was uh, uh, blaming the FBI for many of its uh, personnel, uh, not just Comey, but many of its personnel uh, violating standard policy and protocols of the FBI by leaking, uh, widespread leaking of confidential information related to law enforcement investigations. This is the kind of thing that uh, shakes the confidence of the public in the um, objectivity of the FBI. And if James Comey actually uh, was guilty of doing this, that, that's a very serious violation. And it's something that needs to be looked at by the current attorney general because they need to investigate it and once again take a look at uh, should he or should he not be prosecuted for this. So let me back up. So this is really about... You know, we have two things happening. We have right. the president being uh, going through an impeachment trial, talking about you to Ukraine about the Bidens, right, and saying help us out, uh, looking into what's going on with the Bidens and also what happened with CrowdStrike. We get that part of the story. Right. The big story is intelligence uh, units and intelligence authorities and the FBI under the Obama administration setting the tone, setting the narrative in order to get a, a action taken against the president of that candidate Trump and also involving Hillary Clinton's email probe. I mean, so, th again, this is about intelligence and FBI officials setting the narrative in the media. And that right. media narrative has been with us for months and years now. Go ahead. Well, again, I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, the FBI, which frankly used to have a very good reputation, uh, it, it, 
the FBI never had a really good reputation stop. The minute Mueller took leadership, it was toast with his stupid national security letters. So here we have them. First of all, if you heard the Fox correspondent, she was saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's going through this impeachment and him asking the Ukraine to look into the Bidens. That never happened. So she's a loser. Cross her out. Like, I would not listen to her for any news. What I wanted to play for you guys was the fact that there's an email where Debbie Washman Schultz is exchanging information and saying, don't worry about it. Uh, so that tells you everything you need to know. And the Soros investigation goes back to Ukraine and goes back to them. Huh? Kofor Black, you're starting to rear your head and it's coming. Now, let's listen to the rest of this time travel episode here so you can listen to what Giuliani says then, before everything. And his door would have been locked and everything would have been seized in his office. Two days what ago, else he leaked? Two, a couple of days before this all broke, you're on with Martha McCallum and you looked at Martha and go, well, look out, something's coming down. And certainly it did. What did you know? And a lot of other networks are pointing that out as if you well, were, uh, you were part simple. of that. Uh, not part of it at all. Well, all I heard were uh, former FBI agents telling me that there's a revolution going on inside the FBI and it's now at a boiling point. Mm -hmm. and so you that's had a what general idea that something was coming. I, I had expected this for the last, uh, honestly, to tell you the truth, I thought it was going to be about three, four weeks ago. Because um, for, uh, back, way back in July this started. I think they, keep, they kept getting stymied, uh, looking for subpoenas, looking for records. You know, uh, she said in her interview, for example, that she didn't have a memory of her exit interview from the CIA because she lost her memory after the concussion. The FBI agents who did that did what any good FBI agent would do. They wanted corroboration of it. They wanted to get the medical records that sure. showed, is she telling the truth? God bless her, she is. Or is she lying? In which case, that's Martha Stewart. Mm -hmm. You get indicted. They weren't allowed to get the medical records. Yeah, of course. Well, you do that to an honest FBI agent. I mean, just an honest guy do doing his job. job he gets angry. Yeah. So this has been boiling up in the God, FBI. Mr. I did nothing to get it out. I had no, no, no role in it. Did I hear about it? You're darn right I heard about it. And in, I can't even repeat the language that I heard yeah. from the former FBI. Well, let's yeah. just say they're leaking. All right. we, we have a special announcement to make this morning. We've been reporting Frank, on um, some these police officers that were killed Frank in Siller. Iowa. This is Frank Siller. We came oh, to, Frank. America came to know you Frank. during 9-11. Hey, Frank. Oh, my brothers. God bless okay. you. Uh, All right. So we came to know Mayor Giuliani. The country did, really. You guys knew him because of your ties to, to New York. But for me, living in South Carolina, 9-11 hits. We know you. We watch your response. Frank Siller lost his, his precious brother in 9-11 uh, and started a foundation. And now you're doing something special. But first, tell us about your foundation, and then we'll make the big announcement. Well, uh, on 9-11, my brother um, was on his way home after working the squad one in Brooklyn and heard on his scanner what happened and he went to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, was closed for security reasons, strapped his gears on, on his back through. and just ran through and uh, you know did what so many first he responders. He ran through the tunnel. Ran through the tunnel. Ran through the fire. Tunnel. That's like, your brother right yeah. there? With yeah. all his equipment. Yeah. How old was he? He was 34, father of five and oh, uh, so we've been doing many uh, things in honor of him and all those who perished on that right. day but you know the other day uh, the mayor called me from Iowa uh, after the two police officers were assassinated, kind of like Lou and Ramos here yeah. in, in, in New York, and said, Frank, what are we going to do? Because um, 
you know, it's just another horrific thing. And there they are thing. right there from Des Moines, Iowa. West they were assassinated. Iowa. They so, were assassinated. So what are you doing to help them? Well, you know, uh, you know what we did for Lou Ramos, we raised money, we, we paid off their mortgages and, uh, and renovated their homes. And we'd like to do the same for, for, uh, one, uh, for these uh, two great uh, officers that gave their life on the line of duty. Uh, one of them has a family, uh, a, couple, a couple of kids, and, um, and just recently bought a home. So we're going to take over that mortgage wow. today. You're kidding. Wow. Yes, we're going to take on that this mortgage right now. what they right did now. for officers, Lou and Ramos. Now, I should tell you, one of the reasons I called Frank is I was uh, two miles away from where the shooting took place in, uh, in, in, in Iowa. Iowa. They're campaigning for, uh, for, Don for Donald Trump. And when I woke up in the morning, uh, uh, Bo Wagner, who was the police officer with me from a first grade detective, uh, had gotten the information and he was up all night upset. He came to me and he said, these two police officers, looks like they were ambushed. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you won't believe it, but the first one was only two miles away from us. My word. Did and they now, Frank, also, the Tunnels of Towers, I should tell you, Bill's Holmes. Now, why is this important, Tori? Why are you talking about it? Tunnel to Towers, 9-11, ambushing police officers. So I'm going to tell you something that the media has not reported. So I pride myself on remembering things. I remember things in history or history that hasn't happened yet. And I remember things that remind me of things that I know about. Now, it was in September in Minnesota where a civilian was shot by police, chased down two squad cars, four cops. A name that's very, very familiar, and I don't, I, it's probably because it's something that's to happen. One of the names stuck out. And the name was Nicholas Penderson. And he was one of the cops that shot the person dead. Camera went off. It was a bit sketchy. But, you know, the guy was a criminal, so nobody cares. And look, I don't have any sympathy for vicious criminals. But petty thieves, you know, randos, you know, like I've said, you rape children, right? You betray your country, right? And you sell out or sell people or your country, you're done, right? I don't care. Like what happens to you, you can die and that's too good for you. Like you shouldn't die. You should suffer forever and ever and ever. Other than that, there should be some sympathy. People, you know, are on bad trails or whatever. Well, I see on my Twitter feed that this guy who was a rapper in Minnesota is like on his Facebook and he's running away from cops and he totally broadcast live him running away from the cops and getting shot. And you won't believe it. It was the same cop, Nicholas Penderson. So you have to, and they weren't prosecuted by the way, again. So you have to wonder how many times does the same police officer have to kill someone for stupid stuff, right? Not like murder suspect, not like I'm a drug dealer, not like I'm a pedophile, not like I'm a sex trafficker, child trafficker, human trafficker, you know, or a spy or just a clown in general or Hillary Clinton. I'm just saying, how many times does someone have to not serve and protect, but actually kill? Yeah, the guy was a loser. He was running away in his car. He thought it was cool. He'd, you know, make some numbers. Be like, what? Okay, I resisted arrest and ran away. But as a rapper, I'll get notoriety like all those other idiots like Jay-Z. <laughs> right? Um, whatever he was thinking. He was just dumb and stupid. But he's dead now. 
And it's the same name. It's really weird, you guys. I want to tell you this. Nicholas Penderson, very important. Now, that's also in draft. I'm just, I really, I need to have the time to do this, but I'm still settling in to my new area and, you know, focusing on my child right now uh, to be, and the fact that my furniture is constantly, like, I have a ballroom rather than any rooms. But, it's empty. <laughs> they just called me to cancel today and I'm like, great. So I took the morning off from working so that you can come and you don't show up. But anyway, this guy is really important for some reason. Nicholas Penderson, P-E-D, uh, P-N-D-E-R-S-O-N from Minnesota. It just seems really, really odd. And I don't think anyone's made that connection. And you know what? It wasn't a long time ago when he did it. He's only been working for the force for four years and he just killed another person a couple months ago. So I wanted to point that out. You know, I'm all about our law enforcement. I support our law enforcement. I have law enforcement outside of my building all the time. And, you know, if I've got, you know, a box of cookies or some donuts or some cuties, you know, because I really push those mandarins and tangerines for when you're sick, I'll, I'll give them their off duty and making extra money or whatever. They're still serving us and they're putting their lives on their uh, on the line for us. But just as in every profession just as in everywhere in the world, there's always that bad apple. This smells and reeks of evil. So the name is something that made me think twice. And I wanted to bring it up because, you know, a lot of people um, don't seem to, you know, put things together like that. Now, before we go, um, I wanted to play Bannon's interview from a couple days ago on Waters World, where he talks about how the GOP has to subpoena John Brennan and Adam Schiff. I mean, I think it's pretty much useless because they're just going to, I mean, the grand juries are going to be done deliberating soon. So we're going to have that done soon. But for now, you know, it sounds good, <laughs> but I don't think it is. Take a listen. Trump White House chief strategist and host of the War Room Pandemic radio show, Steve Bannon. All right, Steve. So what do you think? Best week ever for the president? Best two weeks. I mean, if you look at USMCA, if you look at the Israeli deal, if you look at uh, Ivanka's human trafficking, you know, the counterfeit, uh, Brexit, the pandemic, the bold moves he makes on pandemic. He said in his inauguration address, now comes the hour of action. You've seen he's focused on action, action, action. Well, they've had the nullification project for two years, but the nullification project's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. They don't. Have, well, here's why. They don't have the personalities. They don't have big personalities and they don't have policies. The policy is so far left. So they it's, have to do it on the down low right now. It's the, it's the total destruction of Donald Trump. That's what their focus That's is. That's all they have. If we don't think they're, they're going to subpoena, they're going to come back with subpoenas on Bolton. They're going to come back with subpoenas. And this is why I've argued for a long, a long trial in the impeachment or now get Lindsey Graham. We need to get all this on the table. Well, right? that's what Lindsey Graham says. Lindsey Graham says he's going to bring the whistleblower in. We could have the second whistleblower come in. Adam Schiff could maybe have to testify. And he's already clearing house with Vindman, and he's recalling Sondland, the EU ambassador. First off, he needs, to get, he needs a clear house. We talked about this in 2017. He needs to get people to support his policies in there to execute this. He deserves that. But I think what President Trump's been saying is not just about him, about future presidents. If one day AOC is the president, she is commander in chief. What, what, what did you just say? Well, no, I can't, I can't, I'm very hard for hang me on, to even hang wrap on. my no, head around know, that analogy. What I'm trying to say is,
is President Trump is sitting there saying it's not about him. It's about the office of the president. Right. We need to vet this. And I think the Senate Judiciary is a place to start. And you bring one of your guests tonight. You bring Rudy Giuliani. Let him have two days on national TV in a formal setting and let him be crossed. Let him put all the information he has up there. Well, not only that, you get where's Hunter? Because right now, and we're going to talk to Rudy about this in a little bit, they're going to actually subpoena some records from the Treasury to see if there was any financial irregularities going on with Hunter, with Burisma and the Obama administration. You called this CPAC 2017. You said this is what it was going to be like. Let's listen. Here's why it's going to get worse, because he's going to continue to press his agenda. And as economic conditions get better, as more jobs get better, they're going to continue to fight. If you think they're going to give you your country back without a fight, you are sadly mistaken. Every day, every day it is going to be a fight. So that was a couple of years ago. Did you think it was going to be this ugly? I thought it was going to be this ugly. You, you they, thought you'd yeah, see impeachment at, and at leaks the, and special When counsels. I went around in 18 with the, with the film Trump at War, I said, if we lose the House of Representatives, she's promised people she's going to impeach That's them. what it was. They, they, the don't have, they don't have another alternative. They don't have person. There's nobody on that stage going to beat Donald right. Trump. There's no set of policies that people galvanize around is going to beat Donald Trump. His economic program is working. His America First national security policy is working. The, and Trump triggers them. Right. I did Bill not only triggers them, but holds them accountable. And that's the thing. I'm expecting it to get really, really ugly. But right now, like I said, he doesn't have a second win. He's got the storm flapping under his arms and lifting him up. And that is exactly what's happening. And with your prayer and your dedication and to be focusing on the prize, which is start taking America back. He's handing it to you. It's like he has a tray and he's like, come, take it, take it. People aren't really grasping that opportunity. We need to. We can't let more of these people lie in the dark like they did when we signed that Declaration of Independence. Gosh, that woman should have spoke louder. Um, On that note, I want to wish everyone a fabulous evening. We'll be here tomorrow with their new concoction. That's going to be kicking off tomorrow from what I hear in the pipeline. Everyone, God bless pray and I'm always with you here Monday through Friday 12 to 2 Eastern Time have a wonderful evening from all of us here at Red State